Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. For nearly 2,000 years, we've heard the prayer of Simeon that we just read this morning. And it's been the church's traditional bedtime prayer. Every day around the world, the Catholic monasteries and Orthodox Vesper services and the homes that pray the Book of Common Prayer. There are faithful Christians who lay themselves down to sleep and say, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace. You have fulfilled your promise, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light to bring the Gentiles from the darkness, the glory of your people Israel. And even if you don't pray this prayer of Simeon every night, I expect you to still know something about the transformational power of giving thanks. On this week of Thanksgiving, we reflect on this need, this desire to give thanks because the deeper we journey on the way of discipleship, the more we find that our lives are built around Thanksgiving. And by that, I don't just mean the holiday. I mean, we, we often say we come to worship to be fed, but we know that our highest purpose and aim is to give thanks to our Creator and our King. As the theologian Marva Dawn once said, worship is a royal waste of time because our worship is our way of saying to God, there is nothing that could be more important than this. There is no better use of our time than to honor your name. We know the power of thanksgiving. It's in our bones. We can feel it in our souls, can't we? And it turns out the rest of the world is figuring out about this too. They're beginning to catch up to what we've known for millennia. Ten years ago, Dr. Brian Sexton, a psychiatrist at the Duke Medical School, was alarmed at the burnout rate of his colleagues that worked in intensive care units. He has devoted his research towards discovering the gifts and the tools that can help build resilient hearts in a world full of heartbreak. His team at the Duke Patient Safety Center developed the three good exercises, the three good things exercise and discovered that spending just five minutes every day to write down three good things that happened can have profound effects. Spending just five minutes logging good things resulted in 22% decrease in burnout. When people keep logging their three good things for a year, Sexton consistently finds that there's a 40% drop in depression, fewer delays in the hospital, better work-life balance, and less conflict with colleagues. You know, just last March, an MIT Journal of Economics was published, and in it there was a survey that tracked the correlation between crime and weather over the last 35 years. And the economists behind the study discovered that when there are more rainy Sundays, the times when we traditionally worship together, 
When it rains and less people make it to church, communities see an increase in drug-related crimes, alcohol-related crimes, and embezzlement. That's right, embezzlement. I thought it was interesting that The Economist did not find any change in violent crimes, but then again, it makes sense that the chief outcome of skipping worship because of bad weather is that we ourselves find that we are craving more. We are craving things more. When we stop giving thanks, we start wanting more. One of the reasons we have to keep giving thanks is that without gratitude, the bad things in life seem to be much more permanent than the good things. Isn't it the source of so many of our anxieties in life? This precarious sense that our victories are temporary and our losses are permanent. For most of us, our experience of the world is that good things can always be lost and lost things may be gone forever. I mean, our health can fail so much more quickly than it can be built up. A relationship can be lost with a single word or a single tragedy, but it takes much longer to mend. Have you ever lived in an old home that has stood for generations? Anybody here live in Midtown or Oakley or some other area where your house has been standing for a while? If so, you know that nothing is ever fully fixed. It's just temporarily mended. And living on the Gulf Coast makes us all aware that even if we build something out of the strongest materials, a summer day or an early fall afternoon could seem it all blown away by a hurricane. If we know anything from our experiences in life, it's that good things can always be lost and lost things might be gone forever. But then there's Simeon who offers us a different reality. Luke makes a point of telling us that what happened happened in the temple courts, which means that it was the outer courts where all men and women were welcome. Even the Gentiles could linger there. He sang it out in front of God and everybody. And he said that this good news was for everyone. It was a wonder prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and was to the glory of Israel. That this good news was for everybody and everybody could have seen it. I mean, here we are still 2,000 years later, remembering what Simeon saw in a world where it seems like the very best things are fleeting and temporary. Simeon's gratitude has endured. We're still talking about it. This week is the last of three where we have been considering the saints. As we've talked about the saints this month, we've tended to focus on the particularity of the saints. We've shared about individual lives of saints in the Bible, saints in our Methodist tradition, and then saints from various places around the world. We've talked about how even common characteristics of the saints are often expressed in unique and in uncommon ways, like Selena Hastings' hospitality with extraordinary grandeur, while Meep Geese use her modesty to offer hospitality in extraordinary danger. Harper Lee lived out her righteousness by returning to her tiny hometown, Monroeville, Alabama, while Albert Schweitzer crossed the globe to live out his calling as a medical missionary. There is something unique and irreplaceable about the holiness of every Christ follower. But if you ask me what all these saints have in common, 
is they see what no one can see except by God's grace. They see what endures. They see what they know will last. There are some saints who see what endures in life and they're inspired to live lives that look different from everyone else's. But even if you don't feel like your life is different from your neighbors, know this, all of us are called to be saints. And by God's grace, we will be. Maybe in this life or maybe in the life to come when we are all singing together in glory, like it says in the book of Revelation, towards the beginning, it says that there's a heavenly chorus at the end of days that sings like this, holy, 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 the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And then it says that the saints join in and they sing, they sing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And their song ends in Revelation chapter five and they sing this. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them is singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. Whenever everything else is done, when everything's been won or lost, when life becomes life eternal, the thanks will endure. The praise will continue. God will be worthy of thanksgiving and we will find our joy in giving thanks forever and ever. In this world, it seems like the worst losses last the longest, but in heaven, the best things will live forever in the praises of the saints. And so if heaven is all about thanksgiving, and we know that thanksgiving can transform our lives, why do we find it so hard to keep the thank yous flowing? Why do we find ourselves reluctant for gratitude? Why do we find ourselves giving up on giving thanks? Honestly, I think part of it is that we get bored saying the same thing over and over. I, I bet I'm not the only one who looks at the life of Simeon and says, that's amazing, but how long had he been waiting? How did he happen to be so close to the temple at just the moment that Jesus came by? Did he ever travel anywhere? Did he ever go on vacation? Did he ever take a day off? That seems exhausting. The same chapter of Luke, right after the story of Simeon, tells us about Anna, who was 84 years old, who stayed at the temple every day and night for close to 50 years. It's hard for us to imagine sustaining that kind of praise, isn't it? And maybe the reason that good things fade so suddenly is because our attention is so short. We're quick to move on to the next thing to worry about. Maybe we grow tired of celebrating the same things over and over again. And, and that is why I'm thankful for a few other saints that we can look to this morning. I'm thankful for those who have found new ways to tell the good news. People like Charles Wesley. I don't know if you know this, we've been singing a lot of his hymns this morning. 
Now, John gets most of the credit. John Wesley is the, the one who started and organized the small groups of Methodists, and he was a, a preacher whose sermons are the most famous in our tradition. But it was Charles who provided the spark. He was a powerful preacher in his own right, but it's his songs that we remember today, that we celebrate. You know, he wrote over 6,000 hymns. I don't think I've made 6,000 Facebook posts. But this man wrote 6,000 hymns. And he knew that a faith that touches the mind but does not warm the heart will not last. And a decent song will stick in your head a lot longer than a good sermon. That's even hard for us preachers to admit. You know, Isaac Watts, who wrote Amazing Grace, said that all the verses he'd ever written were worth less than one single Charles Wesley poem. This Christmas, whenever you're watching the Charlie Brown gang hum Charles Wesley's Hark the Herald Angels Sing for the 500th time, maybe you'll give thanks for the gift of music which makes it easier to thank God without ceasing, to offer the same words we've heard so often without losing any of the wonder, love, and praise. Singing is one way to make the good news new again. It sticks with us. Another way to hold on to Thanksgiving is to give it away. That might seem counterintuitive, to hold on something you have to get, get. But my favorite definition of evangelism, maybe you've heard that word before. My favorite definition for what evangelism is, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Maybe no one in the last hundred years embodied this sense of sharing the good news of being an evangelist more than a man named Harry Denman. If you go into Kathy's office, you'll find a plaque on her wall with his name on it. That's from whenever Kathy won the Harry Denman Award, which is named for a man that Billy Graham called my mentor in evangelism. He was born in Birmingham. He died there in 1976 at the age of 83. And his life in between his birth and his death were devoted entirely to sharing the good news of Jesus. He traveled by Greyhound bus rather than driving a car because he said it gave him more chances to interact with people and tell them about Christ. The man traveled lightly because he traveled by Greyhound. He could fit the entirety of all that he owned into one bag. He owned a pair of shoes, a change of clothes, and a Bible. He wouldn't wear a watch because he said it gave him a chance to interact with somebody by asking for the time and then being able to share with them about Jesus. He was never ordained. He was never appointed to preach or to lead a church, although many churches invited him to speak. One person as a teenager heard him speaking and he remembered, he said, he was good from the pulpit, but honestly, he was at his best sitting on the floor with us, talking with us, telling his story. Suddenly, rather than talking about football and parties, we were talking about Jesus. He did it so naturally, so easily. We were not embarrassed to talk about something we had always been hesitant to talk about before. People like Charles Wesley and Harry Dimon, they, they show us what it looks like to give thanks in new ways by singing praises and sharing it with others. And 
It reminds me of something I once read. Imaginary evil is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, and boring. Imaginary good is boring. But real good is always new, marvelous, intoxicating. And it's the saints who show us how true that is. Simeon, in all of his years, never stopped worshiping and praising God. And so when he was one of the only ones there in the temple courts who saw the marvelous, intoxicating new thing God was doing, he saw God's salvation and everybody else missed it. Charles Wesley reminds us that if we ever grow tired of praising God, we are better changing the tune than changing who we worship. Don't give up on giving thanks because we get distracted by the world. Find a new way to give thanks. And if you're looking for a way to get that sense of thanksgiving within yourself, then give it away to somebody. Who is it God is calling you to share the good news with? And in so doing, emulating the saints that have gone on before us. Because it turns out that thanksgiving is one of those rare gifts that only increases the more you give it away. And if this week ahead is for us the beginning and not the end of our thanksgiving, then we will be able to see with all the saints that the goodness of God will outlast all the powers of the world. And that in the end, when all is said and done, there will just be thanks and praise. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun, even after 10,000 years of being there. I give thanks. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.